is only a piece because he will expand as you prove yourself to him. He's not going to give you more than you're going to receive. Amen. Or, you know, it's just, the word is the end. It's a process. It's a continual process. And if you're getting most of your feeding from someone who is teaching you and you're under the word, you guys, you got to switch it. you got to be in the word for yourself and allow him to speak to you. And he will. And he will convict you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He will convict you. He will comfort you. He will bring you to all truth. You know, because he, you know, he will illuminate your mind. He'll show that he's a discerner. He will do all that. You need to be walking in the truth as he is the truth. Okay. And so when you're when you're reading the word for yourself, and 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 when you're before him. Uh, and you're listening, and, and you're becoming more and more conformed to the likeness of His Son. Then, um, I'm not saying. I mean, then, then you have your own walk. Then, you know, you have resolved and purposed in your heart, like Daniel did in chapter one, right? I've resolved in my heart. Did did he resolve in his heart because he was out listening to the the uh, teachers of the day? No. No, not at all. He resolved in his heart because he had his own time of prayer, meditation, and reading the Word of God. And it kept him right where he needed to be. And it prepared him for a, you know, huge circumstances that bombarded his life. Because it's what's inside already when life bumps into you that spills out. And so you're seeing what's spilling out of Daniel as a man of integrity, the marks of integrity we talked about, right? His, his great attitude, his incredible faithfulness, his, um, his um, personal purity. I mean, really? I mean, you know, that, that just doesn't come by cramming on a night or going to see some teacher or some, you know, uh, teacher. It's not going to happen. That's not going to happen because that tends to be Experiential, meaning that you're you're listening. It's in the word, but still you're experiencing it through another. Okay, he wants you to experience him alone with him, and it's great. And then when you come together, like we do here, it just it just magnifies itself. He just magnifies himself. He just he just speaks volumes and volumes. So are we good? So it's not about it's not about. The people, or what about, or whatever kind of thing. But you know, I I want you to understand that you have to. It has to be always lined up with the Word of God. Always. Thank you. Well, I, I think the Lord taught me quite a while ago um, when He was just He's giving me how He's done. The Bible is like a jigsaw puzzle. You can put a piece or two or three pieces together, and you can say, "Well, I think I understand that," but I don't recognize that person yet. Because I don't have the chin and I don't have the hair, if it's a person at all. But it gradually, as you read this, it all becomes comes together. From the very beginning of the Bible to the very end, it is like a woven tapestry or that puzzle. And it's only Jesus who can put it together. Amen. Yep. Scripture. Scripture interprets Scripture, ladies. It's always that. S-I-S. Scripture interprets Scripture. Always. Always. And and if, you know, if if you... I used to teach years ago in 1999. I taught the Word of God, but I also supplemented it with, with a book which is based on the Word of God called A Stranger on the Road to Emmaus. 
The stranger on the road to Emmaus is a scripture that goes from Genesis to Revelation, and it and it and it shows how the blood of Jesus Christ starts in Genesis and goes all the way through Revelation, and it's all scripture and and based on scripture. So I mean, it's not somebody's idea, it's not somebody's experience. It's just scripture that a guy. Last name is Cross, I believe. He del- he delved in, and and he was able to show um, Genesis through Revelation. If you do not see the whole the whole Word of God as the big picture, get the book. Okay, Stranger on the Road to Emmaus, John Cross. Okay, and 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 it's all Scripture, and it will show how it had to be blood from the beginning all the way to the end, because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin, and it leads right to Jesus, and it takes you right through to Revelation, and it and and that is a book I'd recommend because it's based on Scripture. Okay, so that's what you need to be reading. So then 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 as you're reading it, you're you're illuminated. Okay, the Holy Spirit illuminates it because there's the Holy Spirit's like, oh, there, see, 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 and you're able to see how the whole thread weaves through Genesis through Revelation. Anybody ever read, read that before? Stranger on the Road. Okay, but read it, read it. I, I've read it three, four, five times. I taught it back in '99. Uh, how long did we teach it for? Two, three years, Linda? It wasn't '99. It was like. Was it earlier than that? Was it earlier than that? Oh, never mind. It was earlier than that. I'm in the wrong decade. Yeah, it was. 99. right. Oh, because it was 2009, right? And then there's, yeah. No, we're, I think we're right. 99. Because that's when I left the agency. Yeah. 99. Yeah. I'm like, wow. Is it that? Oh, I mean, you, you guys, you will, you will just kick in. Yeah. You'll just kick in. It's just scripture. I just wanted to know, does he describe the Oh, hugely. Hugely. He goes through the whole blood covenant. But yeah, because if, I agree with you, that is very, very important. Very important. Heidi, did you read it yet? I, I got it, but I haven't read it yet. Okay. But, but anything that follows a covenant, like I said, you, you made it so appealing, I had to get it. Good, because it is. It's it's based on the covenant, okay, and and the blood covenant, and and all the way through, all the way through. So yeah, make sure to make sure to. And it's a very easy read, guys. It's not like oh, you know, it's not like H. Howard Hendricks living by the book, where you're like, I, you know, I mean, it, I mean, this is very. It'll just take you scripture, and you'll have your Bible open here, and scriptures in here, and it'll show pictures. It has illustrations, and it's it's excellent. So that's what you need to do. Okay. Instead of reading the experiential, you read that, and then it opens your eyes, and then you have your own Jesus, you know, Holy Spirit experience as you continue to walk with Him, just like Daniel. So let's pray. We'll go to Daniel right now. How's that? All right. What a segue. All right, Mark. All right, Lord, we love you, and we thank you so much that um, we can we can be here and openly proclaim that you are the Christ, the Son of the Living God, and that. You always have been, you always will be, you always are, and that you're the great I am. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, uh, I thank you for these precious women and how they want to dig in, how they want to follow hard after you, and, and how they are, you know, they, they, they want to, to listen to ones that are following hard after you, Lord. I ask that you give them discernment, that you would give them um, that you would allow them to uh, hear from you 
uh, as they are delving into the word themselves, Lord, and that uh, and if there is you know something that's amiss, Lord, that they would they would run from it, that they would run from it, and it wouldn't tickle their ears, but they would run from it, Lord. And I thank you, Jesus, for. Uh, for you bringing us into all truth. Holy Spirit, that's that's your job. That's what you do. And so we need to hear from you. We we tend to want to hear something and then go, oh, that's it, that's it, because we're right in the middle of that. And sometimes, Lord, we don't want all the the crust and yuck and everything that we are, Lord, to, to be um, pounded off of us. And only your word can do that. And so, Lord... I, I thank you that uh, there is Daniel, and I thank you that there is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and I thank you that that uh, in the midst of it, what they were doing is just doing the next right thing. They were just following hard after Yahweh God. And now we look back at him and go, what a hero of the faith. Wow. Lord, that's how we're to live, just doing the next right thing. And so, Jesus, uh, speak to us. Speak to us uh, boldly. Speak to us um, gently. Speak to us encouraging. Speak to us convicting. Holy Spirit, just go deep and, and uh, unravel us and, and uh, shake us up, Lord, that we, can, we want to radically, radically obey you. Radically obey you. And, and just want to please you and you take care of all the rest. Lord, thank you that that we can trust and obey and leave all the consequences with you. And so I praise you for that. Speak to us, Jesus, and uh, may we leave here once again as women who are changed by your word. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Amen? Amen? All right. All right. Open up to Daniel uh, 6. Daniel 6. We're hanging in the lion's den. And... You do realize that when it's God's will, which it was for Daniel, to be in the lion's den, that's the safest place he could be. You understand that, right? You understand that, right? I mean, everybody's like, oh, right, Mark. I mean, yeah, that is the safest place for Daniel to have been, was in the middle of that lion's den, because that was God's will for him. He'd already gone before him. He knew he was going to be delivered, and Daniel didn't know he was going to be delivered in the lion's den or out of it, but he knew he'd be delivered somehow, right? And that's how he walked, by that faith. But the safest place for us to be is, is in the middle of smack dab of doing his will, which is what? Radical obedience. It's about obeying. Right? And so he just continued to walk, continued to walk. He wasn't going to look to the left. He wasn't going to look to the right. He knew there had been an edict. And he went right home and he opened up the windows and prayed, looking toward Jerusalem, because he did that all the time. It wasn't like, you know, that he just started that. It was like in your face kind of thing. He was doing it all the time. He's not going to quit what he's doing because he'd resolved in his heart. He'd resolved in his heart. He resolved in his heart. He, you know, that's who he was. He was always spending non negotiable face to face time with Mighty God. He knew him. See, it's easy to obey someone when you know them. It's easy. It's very easy to obey when you know them. That that person has this for you, has this, that he's faithful, that he's that. He's not going to do that. Right? The more you know him, and, and, and like, uh, like we were just sharing, when you look at the Old Testament, and you walk through the Old Testament, and you look at Abraham, see, when you need to know God in a specific way, then is when he reveals himself to you that way. Okay? Not until he had to bring Isaac to the altar did he know at that moment then 
that God is the God who will provide. Jehovah Jireh. Before that, he didn't know him as that. But see, because he continued to seek him, because he continued to want to know him, want to know him, want to know him, at the moment he needed to know him as the God who will provide, Jehovah Jireh revealed himself to him that way. Because as you seek him, he becomes more intimate with you. And he continues to do that. So as you're walking, as you're walking, and, and you need, it's at this moment, and you're right at this, and you need to know him like this by faith, guess what? That's when he reveals himself to you that way. Not before. Not a minute before. It's like right there. Because he meets you where you're at. But he, that's why it's impossible to please him without faith. Because you're walking by faith. You're walking by the unseen. Did, did he know that you know, God was going to rescue him that way? He didn't know which way, but he knew that God would rescue him. Even if he had to raise Isaac from the dead. Right? He knew that. Hebrews 11 says that. That's faith. That's faith. That's how we're supposed to walk. That's the unseen. When you walk right up to it, and see what happens is, is that he reveals himself, and all of his names are revealed when you need that name to be revealed. Jehovah Rapha, the healer, right? Banner over me is love. All the different ones. Bam! He reveals himself. But he's not going to reveal it. He's the self-revealing God. He's always revealing himself. It's if we want to see him that way. We have to be seeking him so we will see the revelation otherwise you're not you're going to miss it you're going to miss it that's why you need to know him that's why you need to be in the word you're going to miss it because he's revealing himself all the time to you but he will reveal what who he needs to be to you at the moment that you need it you may know all those words. You may have studied them. You know, oh, I know what who God is. They're, they're, you know, he's all these. You know, I've seen him. He's a shepherd. He's this. I've studied all this and everything. Yeah, well, have you known him intimately like that? It's when you need to see him as that. That's who he is. And, and Daniel continued to purpose in his heart. Purpose in his heart. Continue to seek. So when he needed to see him as, as who he is as the deliverer, guess what? He just walked right to the next right thing. Next right thing. Because he knew that that's who God is. But if you're not, you know, if you're not knowing who he is, you're not going to walk that way, guys. You're not going to. You're going to look for an easy bunny path this way, you think, but meanwhile, then you go on a huge detour away from the heart of God. See, it doesn't matter the circumstances. It doesn't matter the circumstances. It matters your faith in how you're walking because faith is going to starve your fears. Every time. Every time. So just going to push him back, push him back, push him back. Because you know why? Because I'm walking on the path. Isaiah says that he's making, behold, he's making a new path in the wilderness. Right? And you're walking with him. Jungles are on the side, all kinds of deserts and everything. But man, I am right here. I am walking on that path. Behold, he's doing a new thing. Right? You look back at his faithfulness. At his faithfulness. Not at all the junk in your past. You look back at faithfulness. And you realize how faithful he is. And that's what Daniel did every single time. Every single time. So in Daniel 6, when we, when we um, started uh, last week on it, we realized that, you know, this is an incredible story, right? It's been told a gazillion times. Uh, however, you know, because it's got all the makings of it. It's got the, you know, the, the whole jealousy thing going on. It's got the pride of the king. It's got, remember, it's got the lions and the violence. It's got all different kinds of stuff. It's got, you know, then it's got the hero, the integrity of one man who, you know, who walks forward and stuff. So, so we know that Daniel 
was walking forward in this and he was facing the penalty of death, okay, because he did what was right in God's sight. People face the penalty of death when they do something wrong. That makes sense, doesn't it? But he's facing the penalty of death because he did something right in God's sight. That's persecution. Okay? And the, and the closer and closer we get to the end times, to when Jesus is coming back, you're going to face persecution for doing what's right in God's sight. You will. You will. But guess what? He that's in me is greater than he that's in the world, right? First John 4, 4. Holy Spirit's on attack, so I'm not under attack. And so you live by that. You walk by that. You know that that's who he is. And that's how Daniel walked. That's how he absolute walked, right? And so we learned all about uh, Darius. We learned all about how you know his, his real name was Gubaru, remember? Because Darius isn't in the secular books, but it's Gubaru. Darius is just his honor title. Uh, and so they called him that in the Bible, okay? That um, Darius meant holder of the scepter, okay? And so Darius, in all these ancient documents... Uh, that I was reading, you could show uh, show that the man Gubaru had the power to make appointments, to assemble an army, to levy taxes, to possess palaces. Gubaru Darius was, in a very real sense, then king over Babylon. All right. So, as we walk through this, we realize that Daniel is how old at this time? Eighty. He's eighty. You guys have to remember this. He started at like fourteen, seventeen. He's eighty. He's been like fifty years in service. He got his big pin. He's wearing fifty years good service, right? You know, got a little gold pin, a little lunch, right? Of course, he only ate vegetables. So, so little lunch. And so, here's Daniel. And uh, and meanwhile. Daniel is appointed as one of the governors right over the satraps, okay? So once again, he rises to the top of the governors even, all right? So, and now the other guys are like, it's always Daniel. He's always Daniel. And meanwhile, you know, he's 80, and, and now, and we looked at the marks of integrity that he had, okay? He said that, you know, that, um, that he, you know, distinguished himself, and he had an excellent spirit, okay? He had an excellent spirit. In other words, he had a great attitude. Remember, he had a great attitude. He was, he was, you know, positive. He was winsome. He was teachable with all those new responsibilities, and he's 80, and he had this amazing attitude, right? And so that's one of the marks of integrity, this amazing attitude with this, with this new job. And so I asked you, how, how are you doing in that area? How is your attitude? When new stuff comes along, when you got a new job, doesn't matter if you're a mom, wife, homemaker, outside the house, inside, doesn't make any difference. How are you doing it? And I gave you scripture to look up. I gave you Colossians. I gave you all different kinds of stuff. Right? So uh, the next one, as, you, as we walk through verses 4 through 9 that we saw, they couldn't find any charge or fault against him because they looked through all 50 years of the records and they looked at Daniel constantly and they couldn't find any charge against the guy because he was faultless because he was faithful. So not only did he have a wonderful attitude, but he was faithful in his work. And so Proverbs talks about, you know, to be the honest, diligent worker, and that's who he wants, all right? And I gave you all kinds of scripture to look that up with, right? Colossians 3 especially says you need to be working for the what? Lord and not for men, okay? And, you know, I've told this story a gazillion times, and I'm going to tell it again because it bears repeating that that's how my mom lived. That's how my mom lived. Her, her life until Jesus called her home. Um, she would have major, major, my dad was a businessman, white shirts, didn't send her the dry cleaner. She would iron them with magic spray starching. And she'd eat piles of them. And she'd be making them just perfect and hanging them up. And this is how she did it. 
Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And I look at her and think, you are out of your mind. You are out of your mind. This huge pile, and she would just be this. And she'd look and I'd say, Mom, what are you doing? Yeah. And she'd look at me and she goes, oh, I'm not ironing these shirts for your dad. I'm ironing them for Jesus. It's Colossians 3. Colossians 3. I'm not doing this for that. I'm, I'm pleasing him. That's how you walk. And then everybody else gets the benefit of it. That's how you're faithful. That's how you walk with the right attitude. It doesn't matter her job was that. And she did it unto the Lord, not unto men. Oh, praise you, Jesus. <laughs> praise you, Jesus, Linda. Excellent. I'm telling you, mom's going to be thanked so many times in heaven, right? I mean, I mean um, Linda does toilets that way now because of mom. I mean, how sweet is that? But you know, you guys, when, when you change in a little bit way, you're cha- the little things become the big things. That's huge. That's huge. That's huge. You know, when I, when I squeegee that shower, and everybody knows the squeegee kind of thing, my husband, we have a glass shower, and my husband taught me, you squeegee that thing because it keeps it clean, this, that. Well, then my husband goes on business and everything, and in my head I go... <laughs> And immediately, the Holy Spirit goes, who are you working for here? Who are you working for here? Who are you working for? Is that, you want to is that, you want, you want to live a deceit life? Is that what you're doing? Are you working for me? What are you doing? You know that, and I'm like, whoa, squeegee, squeegee. I squeegee with the best of them, man. I'm not, I'm not kidding. That is years ago, and now it's just like, it's just rote, muscle memory. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. I mean, because, and you know what? Every time I'm like, trust and obey, because there's no other way. Are really the big things. Because if you can be trusted with a little, you can be trusted with a lot. Like Daniel. Like Daniel. I mean, he was trusted with just a teeny bit. He thought in Jerusalem. And look what God trusted with him. I mean, there's a whole book written about Daniel. Right? And then all the visions that we're going to kick into next week about, you know, the apocalyptic books, about the future that we haven't even seen yet. How sweet is that? That he trusted that with him. That's what we have looked forward to. If he can trust you with a little, he'll trust you with a lot. And so we we learned he was um, he was his attitude was right. He learned that his, he was faithful in his work. And then then you know because they couldn't find anything you know wrong with him. There were no closets or anything in his life. So then they said, well, there's no error found or fault in him. Uh, so they were a little upset about this. So then they realized that because they couldn't find any air in them, they'd have to what? Trump up something and make something up. So they knew that he was going to not give up on his God, and they knew what he did for 50 years and always prayed in this. So they made the decree that, you know, hey, King O, this is a good one, right? Everybody's got to bow down to you for 30 days, and this, 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 and the idols and everything, and, you know, if they don't, lion's den, door number two. <laughs> door number one was the fire, the fiery furnace, door number two, lion's den. Right, I'm not sure what three was. Good point. Uh, so, so meanwhile, they found him full of personal what? Purity, remember? Personal purity. He had absolute personal purity, okay? In other words, he didn't say one thing and do another. He was personally pure, okay? And, and I had shared about, you know, you can't be walking with this appearance of holiness and then have unconfessed sin in your life. And then be walking in sin nature. But you live in this, you know, personal holiness. 
right? That, that, that you know, here I am, not, not personal, excuse me, the appearance of holiness. Here I am, but really inside, I'm living this way. Doesn't work. It'll be found out. Somehow, some way. Okay? It doesn't work that way. And they, they realize that he, there was no error or fault that could be found in him. Fifty years of watching Daniel, they couldn't find any error or fault in him. Wouldn't you love that to be said about you? Fifty years. Fifty years. No error or fault. Okay? Now, remember, that doesn't mean he's sinless. That doesn't mean, right? We, we sin because we're sinners. We're not sinners because we sin. Okay, we were born as sinners. We were born as sinners with a bent to sin because we're sinners. And then Jesus died for us so that we could live uprightly, so that we could sin less. Are you following me? We're not sinless. But as we become more and more like him, we sin less because we want to obey him more. Okay, so they, they looked in there and he was blameless, okay? He was blameless in the conduct of his professional life. So they couldn't find anything on him, okay? So they made up the trump, right, the charge against him, okay? And, and so you know, they couldn't trap him into evil, right? And so they knew that, you know, he'd be faithful to God in all his circumstances. There's the key, in all his circumstances. Do people know that you're going to be faithful to God in all your circumstances? In all your circumstances, you're going to be faithful. They're not, they're not going to be able to trump you. Okay, so then they made the whole decree up, went to Darius. Darius, of course, goes, oh, well, that sounds good. Okay. You know, he's playing to his pride. Oh, absolutely. For 30 days? Absolutely. Except he forgot about his buddy Daniel. Right? He forgot about Daniel. And then, of course, they trapped him in that. Okay, and so when they trapped him in that, Daniel's enemies, okay, you know, knew that you know, they could be persuaded with the masses kind of thing. That's what happens. You know, oh, he's doing it. We can do it. Everybody does it, right? Kind of thing. And so um, there was one thing that they did, however, lie about because they went to Darius and said, all the governors said this, that they think this is a really good idea, right? But Daniel was a governor, and he wasn't part of this, okay? So, you know, they, they did the beguilement thing to him, right? They lied to him on that, okay? So then... Darius writes a decree and says you can't do this, okay, otherwise they're going to be cast in the den of lions. So then verses 10 through 15 is, is where we are, where Daniel's faithfulness to God, you know, causes him to be condemned to the lion's den, all right? So, so I love this. <laughs> he's, he's faithful and, <coughs> and he's condemned. So he says... Um, in 10. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room, got his clothes and fled. I mean, some people would do that, wouldn't they? I mean, they know, he knows it's going to happen. He knows what's been said. He's not going to change. He's purposed in his heart. This is, he's not going to change who he is. Right? And so what he did is he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem and three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. But now there's a big looming lion's den before him. Who are you going to trust? The seen, the unseen. The seen, the unseen. The seen is lion's dead, the unseen is God. Who are you going to trust? Your circumstances or great big God? Every time. Every time, right? So... So it says, Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. Can you just see him like crawling around? There's those windows open. <laughs> there he is. I knew we'd get him. Take pictures. You got a Kodak moment here. Right? I mean, this is it. 
I mean, this is it, right? Come on, right? So, you know, I knew you were Daniel. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help, okay? And, and I love what Daniel says here. And he prayed, giving thanks to his God in verse 10. Giving thanks to his God. Notice he gave him thanks first. Did you notice that? In the midst of all the trouble, he didn't whine. Oh, God, you got me here again. I'm in the middle of this, and I'm, I'm 80, God. I mean, are you serious? Just have him gobble me up. You know, take me to heaven. I'm done, right? I mean, he is not, he, he's, it says he's, what was he doing? He got down on his knees and prayed, giving what? Thanks to his God, just as he had done before, right? Just like Philippians 4, we're to pray what? All our petitions and requests be made known to him with what? Thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. And then the peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. That's exactly how Daniel was living. And so, and, and so they're watching him, and they found Daniel praying, asking God for help. Obviously. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or man except to you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Okay, so, and by the way, so you know back then, when it was according to the laws of the Medes and Persians, what that really meant is, is that when that was decreed, it was, it was given to the gods, okay, the idols, the gods. And so they thought that that law came from the gods, okay, the, the people that you're governing. So therefore, you couldn't go back on it because it would be saying you're going back on the gods that you believe in. Are you following me? So once he put the signet ring in it, and once he you know, said, this is it, that's a done deal. He can't even go back on it because the gods have said, Okay. So, which cannot be repealed. 13. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who's one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. I mean, you just... Right? And then when the king heard this, he was greatly distressed because, of course, he didn't want it to happen to Daniel. You have to remember, guys... Attitude is amazing, faithful as can be, always rose to the cream of the crop, right? Always up, always this, this, right? Personal purity. I mean, even though it wasn't his God, right? He, 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 he respected how, who this person is. They couldn't find anything, you know, wrong with him ever. And meanwhile, it's now, oh my goodness, it's Daniel? It's Daniel? And so, so uh, when the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. What do you think he did? Come on, Daniel, let's run, let's run away. Come on, let's, you know, all right, let's kill the lions. Yeah, we'll do something, right? I mean, what, what was he doing, right, to make every effort to save him, okay? Then the men went as a group to the king and said to him, Remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. Nana, nana, boo, boo, king. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, this is key, May your God, whom you serve continuously, what? rescue you. May your God, whom you serve continuously, rescue. Okay, let's just stop for a minute here. Okay, when Daniel knew that this was was signed, okay, signed, sealed, and delivered kind of thing, okay, he was confronted at that point with a test of loyalties. 
wasn't it? Right at that point, there's a test of loyalty. Who am I going to be loyal to? Who am I going to be loyal to? Okay. Now, he wanted to render what was Caesar's to Caesar, okay? Rightfully belonged to Caesar. However, he would not give to the government which belonged to God alone. Are you following me? You respect the government, but you don't give to the government what belongs to God alone. Okay? And so, his fourth mark integrity here is his consistent walk with God. His consistent walk with God. Okay, others would have looked at this and figured this is pretty risky for Daniel to continue to pray as his custom was, right? I mean, this is pretty risky. He knows what's going to happen and he continues to do so. Okay, but you know what the coolest thing is? Daniel knew that the safest place to be was to radically obey God. Right? You guys, the safest place for us to be is to radically do the next right thing. Radically obey him. Radically obey him. He, because you know him. You, he's right there. You know that he's going to deliver. You know he's going to become whoever he needs to be to you at that moment. That you need him to be that name to you. Okay? And so, um, he was not a man pleaser. He was a God pleaser. And he wasn't going to please... You know, Darius or these three guys that are, you know, kind of thing. He was going to please his great big God, okay? And and you know what? If if people have the power to hire us or fire us or to break our hearts, slander us, sort of make us generally miserable, you know, if you're a man pleaser, that is going to drive you nuts. You're going to live with the world on your shoulders. You're going to walk this way. You guys, we're not here to please men. We're here to please him, and he takes care of all the rest. Look what Daniel did. Look what he did. And then he, look, look what happened. Oh, did people say horrific things about Daniel? We're always trying to go after him. They're always trying to, absolutely. But it's because he was pleasing God. That's the best place to be. The absolute best place to be, okay? And so, the power to obey God and to stand for him comes from the settled understanding, the settled understanding that God's in control. It has to be a settled understanding. The power to obey God comes from a settled understanding. You are in control. I trust you. I know that. You have never failed me yet. You're not going to fail me. And you know what, quite frankly? To live is great. To die is gain. Either way, I'm good. Either way, I'm good. I'm great. Thank you, Lord. See, Daniel had a place that he regularly met with God. Regularly met with God. Do you? Do you have a place that you regularly meet with God? He had a place. You know, and Daniel was extremely open. He wasn't in your face. He wasn't public. He wasn't anything. They always opened the windows to Jerusalem because the Hebrews knew that that's where God had had um, shown himself in Jerusalem, and they still would look back to Jerusalem as honor and homage to God, because that's where you know in the temple, even though there wasn't a temple anymore, because the Babylonians you know blasted it. Okay, but he knew that that's where God had revealed Himself, and that He was, and that He was between the Ark of the Covenant, and He was between that, and so He always would show that that's where He'd pray towards, towards Jerusalem, because He knew His God would would continue to prevail, right, and so. And so he he isn't he isn't like in your face public. He's always been doing this, but he didn't hide it either, did he? He didn't live in, in Babylon hiding who who his real God is. 
okay, who, who the Most High God is. You know, other than the other Hebrews that lived there, right, that had been besieged from Jerusalem, you know, <coughs> not very many others believed in his Most High God. So, I mean, he lived out, outward. You know, just like we say we live out loud for Christ now, he, that's how he lived. That's how he lived, okay? And so... His upstairs window, you know, was always open when he was praying. And so he wasn't going to stop it now. And it was toward Jerusalem. And so um, uh, I want you to write this down and look this up this weekend or this week. Because it's about the practice of, you know, that the center of God's earthly attention was in Jerusalem. And it is documented in Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles 6, 18 through 40. Second Chronicles six eighteen through forty, and then and then Second Chronicles seven, eleven through sixteen, and make sure you know you read the subheads and the you know all around. You read the context and okay, because that's where it's all documented. And 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 um, I want to ask you, you know, yourself as a response to this. You know, do, do you meet with God daily? Or only during emergency times. Because I'm telling you, if it's only during emergency times, you're not going to be where you're supposed to be in your faith and walking with Him when life comes up alongside and hits you alongside the head, right? What spills out, okay? You know, um, like walking through this with our daughter Tori, okay? You know, the last last year, year and a half kind of thing is how we've seen and we've prayed and counseled and walked and everything. And then the last, you know, four or five months just, just exponentially just escalated out of, out of control uh, in her life. It, you, you can't do a quick study for that. When life comes up and surprises you, it's not something... That you would would think that your daughter would walk through, or that you'd want for your daughter, or Mama's heart, and how you've raised her, and, and uh, to love Jesus, and you, you can't cram for that. You have to be walking with your heart resolved on him. You've resolved. This is the way to walk. Now walk in it. And then when that bumped up it's, uh, alongside Brian and me, it was okay. It was okay. Because God trusted us with her. He didn't make a mistake when he gave her to us years ago. And he's begun a good work and he will complete it. And we will stand in the gap and see it done. But you wouldn't go through that day by day if you're just working on emergency fuel emergency fuel doesn't work it'll get you only so far like your little emergency tire you quick put on if you get a flat tire it'll only take you so far you gotta have the real deal because I promise you life's gonna come upside along your head and it's gonna bump into you because we're either coming in a problem or in one we're coming out of one. Our neighbor next door just moved to heaven. Um, he loved Jesus. And we were at his funeral last night. And uh, 
it was amazing to see. You know, in the eyes of the Lord, the death of one of his saints is what? Precious. It's precious. Precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of one of his saints. Did you know that? That's in the Word of God. Precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of one of his saints. You know why? (laughs) He's going home. He's home. This isn't home. We're just passing through here as pilgrims. We're aliens here, right? We're peculiar people here. We're made for there. We're made for there. And, and you know, um, our, our neighbor, um, the wife, you know, life bumped into her big time. But what's spilling out of her is Jesus. And it's, it, 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 it permeated that funeral It permeated everything. With her husband that, I don't know, probably lost 100 pounds after what he'd gone through. Shell of a guy. Just a, just a shell. He's, he's already moved to heaven. Absent with the body, present with the Lord, right? Walking through this. You don't cram for that stuff. It's your resolve in your heart now. It's how Daniel lived. You resolve in your heart now. Do you meet with God daily? Or do you only do the emergencies? Because it won't work that way. You know, is it your number one priority? If it's not, ask Him for the desire. I want, I want you to, I, I want that number one priority in my life. I want you to be my number one priority. I don't want to add a little bit of Jesus to my life. I don't want enough just to get to heaven, you know, and then live like the devil here. I want you to be my number one priority. What is He going to say? No, sorry, I don't want you that way. <laughs> Are you kidding? He'll run to you. He will run to you, right? See, Daniel did not panic. He went home and did the next right thing. He knew what they were going to do. He went, he didn't panic. He never panicked when his faith and his life were laid on the line. His faith and his life were laid on the line. When this happened with Tori, it's like our faith is on the line here. It's right on the line. What am I going to believe? Is he, is he not faithful to me now? Because it's not how I'd like to walk through my life with my 13-year-old. Is he faithful? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. He's faithful. He can't be anything else but. Second Timothy says he cannot deny himself. Because he's God. Because he's God. But you only know that as you continue to walk with him. As you continue to walk with him. As you continue to walk with him. And his faith and his life were on the line. Not only his faith, but his life. Both of them were on the line. And instead, what did he do? He trusted God. He trusted God, as he always did. And he had peace. Went home and opened the windows. Went home and prayed. Went home and thanked him. Went home and said, you know, I need your help. Once again, God, I know that you'll go before me. Right? He didn't panic. He didn't panic. You guys, the more your faith grows, the more your faith grows, the less something can rattle you. The less something can rattle you. People can't rattle you. Circumstances can't rattle you. Nothing can rattle you. You're right there. Because you are trusted in the unseen way more than anything seen. Because you've got all the faithfulness that he's always been to you. And you just continue to walk. 
You just continue to walk. You just continue to walk. I love that he prayed and he gave thanks. He prayed and he gave thanks before his God, as was his custom. It wasn't like, oh, I better quick, like, you know, do a quick study here with God. You know, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to thank him, so I better thank him for this. I mean, that's not even going to come to your mind if that's not who you are. You're going to thank God for putting your faith and your life on your line? That's not what you would be saying, would it? You wouldn't be saying that. But that's who he was, in and through. And he prayed and he gave thanks before God, okay? He didn't let that decree change his actions one way or another. Nothing's going to change you. Nothing's going to... Because you stand for him and that's what you're going to do until you see him face to face. Period. Period. No matter what you hear, no matter what you see, no matter what comes along, you're going to be there. You're going to stand. And against all things, he says, guess what? You'll be standing. That's the end of Second Peter. You just keep standing. You just stand. Because you know where you're standing? You're standing in his grace. You're standing in his undeserved favor. It's grace that saved you. It's grace that keeps saving you. And it's grace that's going to keep you in heaven. It's always His grace. And it was grace in, with most high God as well back in Daniel's day, okay? You know, Daniel didn't all of a sudden, well, you know what, maybe I should only pray once a day so maybe they won't be watching. Because three times a day, you know, they might be watching all the time. So only pray once a day. I mean, God, you'll understand. Remember how we went through all those rationalizations with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Well, you know, maybe just this once. Okay, Daniel never rationalized and neither did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They looked at him and said, hey, whatever it is, I don't even have to report to you. I got a big God. And whatever he chooses, that's okay with me. Can you say that? Whatever he chooses, it's okay with me. Because he's going to choose the best. And I'm just going to hold on to his hand. I don't want the good. I don't want the better. I want the best. And that's what Daniel did. And so he didn't change his way. One, He didn't pray less. He didn't pray more. You know, he just continued his excellent prayer life. He continued doing the next right thing that he always had been doing. And, and God had already prepared him for this. See, see, you have to remember, God knew this. Okay, He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. Okay, He knew this. He was going to trust Daniel with this so he could show his what? Glory. So he could show himself. So that, you know, yeah, these people meant it for bad, but I intended it for good for the saving of many. Watch me work. I'm going to work in ways that you exceedingly abundantly, all that you can ask, think, or imagine. Watch me. If you're living for His glory... That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. It's for His glory to be revealed, okay? Because in Daniel's life and in our life, if we're living that way, it would be a compromise or pride to change in either direction. To pray more or to pray less. Right? If you're going to pray less, that'd be a compromise, right? If you're going to pray more, that'd be like, yeah, we'll just try it. I'm going to pray seven times a day now. My God will rescue me. Okay, now that's self-pride, isn't it? He just kept doing the next thing. He just kept doing the next right thing. That's all he did, okay? And so and so he continued. It, you guys, it wasn't an act of martyrdom. That's not who he was. It was just a faithful prayer warrior that knew that this is his big God and he's not going back on him, okay? And that it had been characterized in his long life of 80 years. He never stopped. He continued, okay? When you look at it, what his custom in prayer was, okay, he always prayed in his upper room. Always prayed in his upper room. And, and this was private prayer. No intention to impress others. 
This is private prayer. He had always prayed up there, okay? He prayed with his windows open, always to Jerusalem, okay? Remembering the place of sacrifice. Remembering that that's where it is. That was where, you know, that was where there was sacrifice, even when there was no sacrifice. Okay? He continued to do that. He prayed according to Scripture, okay? In 1 Kings... uh, Eight. I, you don't need to look it up for time, but in First Kings, in First Kings eight, Solomon asked God to give him a special notice to the prayers of his people when they prayed towards Jerusalem and his temple. And it says this: First Kings eight three, and may you God hear the supplication of your servant and your people Israel when they play. Excuse me, when they pray toward this place. Daniel knew his Bible. Daniel knew the scripture. He was having non-negotiable face-to-face time with Most High God. Right? He knew the word. He knew the word. That you and your people, when they pray toward this place, okay? And so, not only did he pray in his upper room privately, he continued to do that, always prayed with the windows open, knew his word kind of thing, but he knelt down on his knees, okay? He knelt down on his knees, all right? Praying just as Jesus did. And I want you to look this scripture up because I know a lot of them are like, oh, my knees hurt. Oh, are you kidding me? Oh, are you, I got to get on my knees. Is that what you're going to teach me? Are you kidding me, Margo? All right. I want you to know that he got on his knees, okay? And, and it prayed just like Jesus did. He prayed. Uh, I'll give you the scripture with that, okay? It's Luke twenty two forty one, okay? And then read you know, the context around it, twenty two forty one. He prayed just like Stephen did, okay? That's Acts seven sixty. 7 verse 60. He prayed just like Peter did. Now remember, these guys are all, you know, coming in the New Testament, okay? And so I'm sharing with what he's doing according to the Word of God. But now all of these people, that's how they prayed. Peter, Acts um, 9 verse 40. Acts 9 verse 40. And Paul, and then other leaders in the church at the time, in Acts 20 verse 36. Did you say Peter? Nine? Peter is Acts 9, verse 40. Peter's and then Acts Peter is 20. No, I'm talking about Peter. Oh, uh, The person Peter. Sorry. You can read about it in Acts. There you go. You're thinking first or second, Peter. Um, uh, Acts 20. Uh, let's see. Acts 9, verse 40. And then Paul and other leaders in the church. Acts 20, verse 36. Okay. And then Luke. In Acts 21.5. Okay? He knelt down on his knees. Okay? Kneeling is a begging posture. It's a begging posture. And we must all come to God basically as servants, right? As beggars. As we are not worthy of this. Okay? And it's a begging, a begging posture. I want you to realize that that's what Daniel has been doing. And he did that three times a day, and the guy was 80. Okay? And he was 80, okay? I'm sure it kept him awake. You know what? When you're on those creaky knees, man, you're going to be thinking. You're going to be praying. You're going to be praying in the Holy Spirit, right? As he's praying. Because I'm telling you, you know, you're not going to be falling asleep laying in your bed. Oh! Right? 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 Because you guys, I want to tell you, prayer is the work. Prayer, prayer doesn't come easily. I mean, the second you want to start praying, what what happens? All kinds of zoom zoom thing, interruptions, that kind of thing. Your dog will bark. I mean, all different kinds of stuff will happen, right? Because because Satan knows 
it, the minions know, uh, they know that that is, that's power. That is power, man. Prayer is power. Power. When we pray, God works. He moves his hand. I mean, you just continue and you're changed and he changes things. And he, he says, you say, move a mountain and the mountain will move or the mountain will come to you or you'll go to the mountain. It doesn't make any difference. Prayer is the engine that moves God's hand. And we, you guys, we need to be prayer warriors. He, will, he changes you and changes the world by prayer, continually by prayer. I mean, you want to read... You want to read people who are the men of prayer, um, you know, like, like, um, oh, I just lost his name. The guy who is in China who had the great big orphanage years ago in like in like the 18th, 17th century, 18th century. Ah, oh, doesn't come to me right now. And I'm telling you, I mean, talk about prayer. He would just pray and pray and pray. And and there's a there's a a story that that he's like he had everybody yep all the orphans and they set the table and they got it all ready for him and everything they had nothing for them to eat nothing there was no milk there wasn't anything for them and he said God I know that you gave these to me I know that this this I know it I'm going to walk by faith and I'm going to put these kids here and, and everything I'm going to thank you for the food I'm going to thank you for what you provide ding dong and outside uh, the home a milk truck had broken down and they had to get rid of the milk immediately because they didn't have that kind of refrigeration so could you use it not only milk but eggs all kinds of stuff all kinds of stuff in the midst of his thanking him ding dong that's faith that's how you live that's how you're supposed to live there's a book that'll edify you that way that way okay he prayed three times a day you know knowing that little prayer is good much prayer is better much prayer you guys don't be concerned about the quality of your prayer saying just the right stuff making sure you're just writing this this and you know you guys it's the quantity it's the praying without ceasing it says in first thessalonians you pray without ceasing that means you have this attitude of confession constantly before him that you know that you know that of him and from him and through him or to him are all things and that you continually you're you know that you only exist because of him you're sustained by him you're you know everything through him that you are continually confessing to him that right and so what happens is you have this this posture before him then that he's everything he's always in control and i am this incredibly servant that is so thankful so thankful and that's how you continue to walk that's how you continue and that's what Daniel did right much prayer is far better far better to have much prayer okay Um, Spurgeon says this we also remember that Daniel was one of three governors over an empire yet still had time to pray that does not tell you how often he prayed but how often he was in the posture of prayer Doubtless he prayed 300 times a day if necessary. His heart was always having commerce with the skies, but thrice a day he prayed formally. Are you following me? That's your worship. Worship is your lifestyle. Worship isn't what you do is singing in church. Worship is your lifestyle before him. You're always... What again, sweetie? No, that was from Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon, who's an old pastor, old, old English pastor. I love him. I, I'll be with him a lot in heaven, so you know. Um, I love that guy. Okay, and so, I mean, so in other words, three, and what that says to us is, we are all always to have that posture, and then meet with him regularly. Regularly meet to have that, and then in closing, 
He prayed and gave thanks because great prayer is filled with thanksgiving. If you're just always puking out your problems and oh poor pitiful me and how does this affect me and all this kind of stuff, you guys, will he hear you? Yeah, he'll hear you because he's God. But he's changing you so that as you're walking through the problems, as you're walking through this, you see the rainbow in it. You see that, yeah, you know, this, this looks pretty bad, but you know what? I intend it for good, for the saving of many. You know, I, I work out everything for the good, okay? That's who I am. So you're thanking him. You're always thanking him for who he is and, and that he cannot be anything else but. And Spurgeon says this in closing. Prayer and praise should always go up to heaven arm in arm. Like twin angels walking up Jacob's ladder or like kindred aspirations soaring up to the Most High. Prayer and praise. Always. Always. Because what's happening is you're, you're being changed in the midst of it. You're be, you know that you're living by His grace. And you're sharing and thanking Him and saying, ah, oh, for this moment. You give me enough light for the step I'm on. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you. Right? And then... In the prayer and praise, what, like Philippians 4 says, you make all your requests, all your petitions be made known to him, right, with thanksgiving. And then the peace that passes all human understanding guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Nothing better than that. You can't manufacture peace, ladies. Can't. Daniel couldn't manufacture peace. It's found in the person. Peace is found in the person who lives in you. In you. Daniel, what a guy. What a guy. How we are to live and walk and be like Daniel. Well, I think that uh, on top of everything else that you're saying, prayer really is an act of love for the Lord. Um, and there's no legalism wrapped around love. So as you grow in your love, you don't even want to pray more. Yes. But still step out in faith because you do love the Lord. Because, and that's the best reason to move Yeah, absolutely. Because it's conversation. And, and you guys, as you're praying, listen. Don't just be blam, blah, blam, blah, blam, blah, blam, blah, blam, blah, blah, okay, or, or, right? No, listen. listen. And a lot of times what I do, because we're going to go through, after we're done with this, uh, we're, we're going to go through um, prayer, okay? Because, because as you... As you pray, you're being changed. Okay, as you're praying, is he answering? Oh, you bet he's answering. He's answering according to his will, the best way he knows. You know, and 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 you continue to offer it up as a you know a living sacrifice before him, just praying, praying, praying. And what happens is because you are recklessly abandoning your life on him, you change because you know he's in control. You know that he's the one that that has the best plans, and and you want to be, um, you want to you want. His will to be done, not yours. And so you continue to give that over. Okay? And so it, it's... And so what happens is, is like you were saying, honey, is that, that because you, in this conversation, you know, you fall so much more in love with Him and you want to please Him and it becomes just conversational because He's sharing back with you. 
You know, you shut your trap long enough for him to share back with you. You know, and, and he does. He will. He will just. He will share. He'll speak through the word. If you pray scripture to him, I mean, he, he can't. You know, he can't do anything. But that's who he is. You know, you stand on scripture. I mean, many times I've just said, "Look, look, God, this is what you said. This is who you are. I'm standing on that. It's a promise. I'm not wavering from that. This is who you are. I expect to see that done. I know it's already done in the heavenlies because you have already said it. And so I will stand there and I'm not going to be moved. And he'll be like, good job, Margo. That's how you pray. Right? You continue to know him more and give it over. That's who Daniel was. That's who Daniel was. Next week we're going to kick in and see how actually um, not was Daniel rescued from the lion's den, but the lions were rescued from Daniel. The lions are rescued from Daniel. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come unto you and we thank you that, uh, that we can hear your word, we can hear your voice, we can be changed uh, by your word. And Lord, I thank you. Change my heart once again. Lord, make me a Daniel. Make me a Daniel. Lord, grow up my faith. Lord, uh, I know that my faith can only grow up. Our faith can only grow up through tests. And so, Lord, I trust you with whatever you bring along, that it is from your hand. And I receive it from you. And I trust you. You are worthy to be trusted. You're worthy to be praised. Lord, I just love you so much. I thank you that... uh, we can walk away from here uh, being changed once again because of your word. And Lord, I ask that uh, as we walk through the week, we would have those regular times with you. That you would uh, be our number one priority. And that we would know you personally and passionately and powerfully and preeminently over every part of our life. So Lord, change us. Change us, Lord. May we be conformed to the likeness of your Son until we see you face to face. And Lord, may you be so pleased with all of our worship and prayer and regular times of prayer and, and reading your word, God, that you, we can just see your smile on us. We can just see. You're the lifter of our head. And as we look at you, Lord, we can just see your smile and that you'll sign your name to the end of our day. Thank you, Jesus. I ask that we walk the way Daniel did this week and come back proclaiming your name in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen.